For over 37 years, TargetLeads.com has harnessed the power of direct mail and targeted lists to help you achieve your marketing goals. Whether you are a coach, an athletic director, an administrator, or you represent a nonprofit or a for-profit entity, direct mail with highly targeted lists continue to outperform social and email campaigns. If you are looking to reach prospective students or athletes, they have the lists. If you're looking to grow your business, they will find you your next customer. While we spend so much time online, the offline physical touch and feel of mail stands out, gets noticed, and generates response. Don't sleep on the power of mail. If you are recruiting, fundraising, or growing your customer base, mail should be a part of your marketing strategy, and TargetLeads.com is there to help you achieve your goals. Visit TargetLeads.com and please let them know that Coach Climo sent you. TargetLeads.com. Mail works. Our next partner has a product I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a simple all-in-one solution as opposed to the ever-changing variety of supplements I have been taking for as long as I can remember. Sometimes up to three ramekins a day full of pills and powders trying to find the right formula for peak performance. Now that I've been taking Athletic Greens for a few months, I love it and I will never go back. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take one scoop in the morning on an empty stomach and an additional one in the evening when I am feeling run down. I've seen such a difference in my own performance that I recently ordered additional AG1 for the rest of my family to use. It costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, and supports better sleep quality and recovery, in addition to mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com contacts. Again, this is athleticgreens.com contacts to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome to the Contacts Coaching Podcast, dedicated to bringing you practical ideas from coaches, sharing what they have learned throughout their career. The show is designed to serve as a digital database of mentorship from a wide network of coaches whose innovative, reflective, and diverse knowledge may offer ideas to enhance your experience. In addition to sport-specific expertise, each episode also dives into the ways in which culture, strategy, and tactics can cross from one discipline to another. I'm your host, Justin Klein. Welcome back to the Contacts Coaching Podcast. We are blessed to be joined today by Desiree Powell, who is the Commissioner of Athletics and Student Activities health and physical education at the Cleveland Metropolitan School District. Coach, that's quite a mouthful. Thanks for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. 
All right, this is going to be a little bit different considering your role and the fact that you're not actively coaching right now or I think you have a lot of light to shed on the way in which athletics impact young people and adults. So if you don't mind, give us a little backstory on how you got started with athletics and coaching and the way that has navigated over the course of your career to where you are now in the seat of commissioner. Okay, bear with me because it's quite a bit to this journey. Um, I started out as a young age as a tomboy and I loved sports. So being, you know how they say you play sports and you're the master of none, but you play them all and you play them well enough not to be a master of any of them. And at a young age, and I really believe I was nine years old and I was playing catch with my sister and my dad in the front yard. And it hit me that I loved sports so much and I had heard the term, you'd find something that you would want to do and not have to get paid. You're blessed to have that as a job when you grow up. And I thought, I love this so much. Why not teach other kids to play sports? So I had an aunt that was a phys ed teacher. And I went to watch her teach a couple of times. And she was teaching gymnastics and all this other kind of stuff in the suburb. And it just made me want to be a phys ed teacher even more. So from the age of nine, I followed that track to become a phys ed teacher. And I actually went to the same college. I went to Kent State University. So I followed her through out to Kent State. And I went, as I got out of college, that was my goal to be a phys ed teacher, but I got hired with the city of Cleveland Recreation Department first. So that was my first real job. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am a very transparent person. I got my first job based on the fact that I was a minority. I was working part-time as a phys ed adjunct person at a junior college that was right next door to a recreation full-time camp. And they were about to open up. And my supervisor was best friends with this guy. He had just gotten hired by the city. And they told him, oh, you're going to need an assistant, but we want you to have a minority assistant. My supervisor told him, hey, I've got this young lady. She's perfect as a phys ed. She'd be perfect for you. Would you be interested in meeting her? Sure. Des, would you meet? Uh, sure. First job right out of college, an administrator for the city of Cleveland, because he liked me. He knew me from his buddy. So I became an assistant director and ran a camp and had to set something up for the kids, 100 kids per week for eight weeks. And then I ran a program for senior citizens throughout the fall. And then I did a scared straight program for the middle school kids in the city of Cleveland during January through the spring and did that all year round and went through that whole cycle for 14 years. Plus we were a rental facility. Eventually there was a rec center that was gonna open up. The city trusted me and I opened up a brand new rec center, treated it like a health club. And I did that for four years. So I had an indoor track, pool, I did all of that. And then I left the city of Cleveland and went to the school district that my aunt used to teach in. And I was a community services director Back in the day, that's when the school was over, community directors would hire consultants to come in and teach people how to do the salsa. And back then you were learning how to use a computer and the different foreign languages and things of that nature. So I would find people that would come in and 
teach residents and non-residents how to do all these things after school hours when the classes were over. Because they were getting ready to close that department down, the school district liked me enough that they created a male and a female athletic director position. So they hired me as the female athletic director of that particular school district. I will admit during that three years there, because it was a very high profile school that had a lot of state track things, there was an ineligible runner under my watch of girls athletics. There was a very loosey goosey of looking at the eligibility and I had to report it to OSHA and it became a very ugly situation. And eventually I ended up leaving. They had to make cuts because school levies weren't passing, things of that nature. I became unemployed and I was working at Dillard. And within that nine months of working at Dillard's, one of my customers came up to me. Oh, how'd you get here? I told her my story. She said, oh, you used to teach. Is your teaching certificate still valid? I said, oh, my mom would kill me. If my teaching certificate ever lapsed, I said, all these years, I've never used it, but I kept it up. She said, oh, I work for Cleveland Metropolitan School Districts. I'm going to get you into Cleveland School District. Voila. (laughs) So I moved into Cleveland and 20 years later, I became a first year K-8 physical education teacher. All the administrators from Cleveland Heights, where I was working as a community services director and athletic director that year shifted over to Cleveland as I was a PE teacher. So when the curriculum director needed someone to take over their health and PE curriculum, Mm -hmm. they whispered to him and they were like, you have a phys ed teacher here that could be perfect. He said, well, I want someone who can't tell me we've never done it that way before. They were like, she hasn't been here long enough to tell you that she's not been here long enough. They were like, he says, I want to meet her. So I only taught for two years and then they brought me downtown and put me in charge of the health and the PE curriculum. So I've been in charge of the health and PE curriculum since 2008. And because I was laid off, I thought if this were to ever happen to me again, I better add more cards to the table. So I added my principal's license and my superintendent's license in the process. So I did a year, believe it or not, when I was getting my principal's license within the district, I was offered from one of the principals, you can either keep your job downtown and come here three days a week. I already have the notebook. I graduated, got my license from where you're going, and you can use my notebook to do what you need to do, or I'm in need of an assistant principal and you can get the license while being an assistant principal come back to my office in 15 minutes and tell me your decision. Came back to her office and said, okay, I'll be an assistant principal. Did that for a year. My boss came back to me after a year and she said, what do I need to do to get you to come back downtown? Because they never replaced me. I said, I'm there. Because while I was an assistant principal, I hated it. Because as an assistant principal, Most of the time I was either writing kids up for detention. I was watching Johnny trying to avoid him from throwing an apple across the gym. And after spending so many years being in district meetings, trying to make sure everybody had PE and health and doing all these meetings, trying to be in a lunchroom to prevent fights was just not my cup of tea. So I left and went back to my job. 
And then some issues happened here in the athletic department down here. And when they happened, they were like, Des, can you just go down there until we can figure out what we're going to do? So I said, okay, I'll just come down here, put my computer together and just figure what, just figure some stuff out to you guys. And as they tried to figure it all out, eventually they were like, we want you to have it. And then I got the blessing from the former commissioner because he had been here for 40 years and he took me to lunch and he said, look, out of all the people, I think you can handle it. And to be honest, I think it was because of the prior eligibility issue that I had because we have such a high profile school here that if things were to jump off, which they did after mm -hmm. I got here, he thought that I'd be able to weather the storm. Love it. That's my story. Love it. So many things I want to know. So I've got to take a beat here to, to categorize them. So let's go back to the beginning. And I just want to point out what was said that sometimes I think people don't realize in the hunt that the value of network and how jobs come about, right? Often as we teach yes. and coach young people, it's I got to go to this school. I got to do X, Y, and Z so that I can land here. And it's, hold on. At the end of the day, your network is way more important than what letters are across your chest. So how are you building yes. that? Yes. Number two, the fact that you said you got your first job because you were a minority and I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, we actually check multiple boxes using that title. Yes. And as a female and a person of color in a space that is predominantly white male in athletics. I would love to know what that experience has been like and how you have seen it shift or not over the years and what advice you have for people in both or either of those identifiers trying to crack into a space that hasn't always been very welcoming. I will start with that one first only because it resonates so much right now in the immediate. I am only the fifth commissioner of this entire school district. And I am the first woman. The commissioner prior to me was the first African-American male. They've all been male. He was the first African-American. I'm the first female and I am the first female of color. That has not been broadcasted very much in the district at all. Other than me having it written in history, no one has approached me about it. And other than some women in the district that know it, that mention it, it's not been made a big deal, which surprises me. But to be honest, it's another reason when the young lady mentioned that you do this podcast is why I immediately gave her my card because I feel I have a story to tell and I need other young ladies to hear what I have to say. And I feel I need to make sure any opportunity I have, I need to use it, which is why I contacted you immediately. Yep. Which is also why I dug into that question as the first one. Yeah. And most recent, it was very hard when I first started because nobody in the immediate circle of other commissioners or other athletic directors, they try to ignore me and they go to my coordinators in my office that are over football or over basketball, but they try to overlook me and just talk to them. 
So I always make myself present in the meetings and speak up on certain things to make sure they understand that I am here. This is what just blows my mind. One of our teams just won division four state football championship. I didn't, that's the first football championship of the entire district. They had never won a football championship before. So I'm sitting back thinking, I'm thinking to the Lord, you waited until my watch for the entire school district to have their first football championship. And I'm the woman and you had all these four other men and nobody had a football championship, but I'm the one that has one under my watch. There's a lot there and I'm still taking it in and it's expected that he may win another one back to back next year. And so I'm getting the word out. I'm yep. getting word out. So let me bring it back to this. You're just at the National Athletic Directors, I forget, NIAAA, yes. what the actual title is, but it's the yes. National Athletic Administrators Conference. Yes. To, to my point, as you're looking around that room and thinking about how you are breaking down some barriers in your role in, in a couple of different areas, right? And you want to open doors and make sure that, that people understand that it's possible, right? So even at that place at the National conference i haven't been yet because it's during basketball season but i'm assuming the percentages are not falling in your favor in regards to to a representation so knowing that what and how would you coach those young women or hell more experienced women that love athletics that have something to give that maybe have felt uninvited how do you coach them on the best way to get involved first off they have to have tough skin their desire has to be stronger than their sensitivity and that desire has to lead them in their direction i was shocked though and this was like only the second or third time i had gone to this conference so i was pleasantly surprised that there were some minority women, strong minority women that I met. The very first night there was an organization on this game that organized a meeting of commissioners of my level for us to have a, a, lunch, a dinner together. And it literally showed us that we were not alone. And it wasn't just minority. The majority of us were minority. We have committed that we are going to meet once a month to support each other and we're going to try to visit each other's district, take what each other's doing to advance each other's district to another level. And then where I met the young lady from your district is where they had um, an all-female session. So all the females got together, and now they're developing a list of all females. And there's groups comprised of that where there's going to be meetings so that they support each other there. Mm -hmm. So there's efforts being made now so that we support each other and we grow from there to try to encourage the voice of younger ladies. I actually just met before mm -hmm. our meeting, the Cavaliers were here and the young mm -hmm. lady wants to develop a program that will survive whether or not she stays with the Cavs or not to channel girls so that they know there's more to just playing basketball on the floor, but all the other options 
of whether it's following my steps, mm -hmm. following the steps inside the organization of the calves, mm -hmm. but there's places for them. And we were trying to lay out how are we going to do this in workshops and show them all the different things that they can do. We just had this meeting today. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. funny that you asked me this question because we're working on that with the calves as we speak. Yeah. Let me ask a follow-up that's tangentially aligned, but not on the same topic per se. My observations over the years of athletic participation is that generally speaking, young gentlemen are irrationally confident and they think they can play anything. And so you very rarely hurt for numbers in most of their sports. But on the flip side of that, the female participation for whatever reason seems to fade out as they get older what strategies or what ideas do you have to try to hang on to some of those athletes that for whatever reason, as they age, start to find it less attractive? And maybe it's their own, maybe it's outside pressures, whatever. But that's been my observation over the last 25 years. Not sure if that's what you, but I would love to get your thoughts on that. It's exactly what I see. And that's what we're experiencing in our high school, what we're seeing right now through our eligibility rosters of we have at least two teams that are not fielding enough girls to play, which is very disappointing for us. The struggle I have in Cleveland, I'm going to try to make this short, is that in the past, we used to have what they used to call junior high schools, and then you had high schools. We had a, a superintendent or a CEO years ago get rid of all of our junior highs and they made them all K-8 buildings. So we no longer have junior high buildings. All we have is K-8 buildings. And it's been like that for probably three decades now. And when they did that, they got rid of all of the athletic directors that they used to have during that time in middle schools. So I have no, all I can talk to is a principal and whatever teacher they can find in that building to do something. Half of them don't coach, but they're being asked to coach something that they don't know how to coach just to give the kids something to do after school. So they're really not getting strong coaching, which is another reason why I think kids are straying away in the public sector from where we're at, because they're not getting the strong coaching that they need. So that hurts my feeder system going into the high school. I have to do something in the middle school sector in order to build up my high school. And that's what I'm working on now, trying to figure that out. And I may have to compete against my CYO partners because they already have a system and I have none. But I've got to come up with something because... Until I do something in my middle school and even my third through fifth grade system, I'm going to be hurting forever and it's, it may not recoup. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm curious, listening to you describe that, what does the participation for females look like in the CYO system? Is there an opportunity to potentially partner with them rather than compete with them where you can help shepherd some of those students to high school athletics and then maybe use the middle and lower divisions as introduction through PE and whatnot? You know, in theory, that's a wonderful idea. And I could probably, and I met her when we were at the conference. I actually met the woman at the conference. However, the fear of that 
is that the kids that can really play will then be talked into going into a private school system. <laughs> there it is, the proverbial challenge. Okay, love that. All right, let me ask this. I'm going to pivot again. So you've been doing this commissioner deal since at least 2008. You're overseeing. No, well, well, commissioner, I haven't been doing. I've only been doing since 2018. Okay, perfect. 2018. But even then, five years minus COVID. So at least three years of actual yeah. person on hand stuff. What at your level, what are the challenges that percolate up? that people at the site level aren't aware of. And by that, things that if handled better at the site level and not just the school side, I'm talking even the team level, right? Would make athletics better for everyone in regards to the stuff that comes up to you after it's been missed and now has to be dealt with. And I don't know if that question makes any sense, but I always think about some of the things that our section commissioner is getting that oversees 150 some odd schools, if we do a better job at the site level, then things are just smoother for everyone. What are some of the things you've noticed that you can offer to coaches listening that it's like, hey, you need to focus on one, two, three, and the kids are going to benefit and the adult problems aren't going to be in the way? Okay, I'm going to say a couple of things. First off, our athletic directors in the high schools are not full time. They teach as well. Now, granted, they get a stipend. They get hearty stipend to be an athletic director, but they are a teacher and whatnot or whatever during the day. Do we get calls? Did I get calls when I first came down all the time from athletic directors from other school districts and stuff saying, I can't ever reach the East Tech AD or the this AD or that AD, they're teaching during the day. They're never going to call you back during the day because they're teaching. Please call my athletic coordinators so that they can help you or they will ensure that the other AD will reach you at another time. I've been able to curb that. I've been trying to get our CEO to see that I need to get them to be full-time athletic directors. And when I tell him that, I said, if you make them full time, I will then divide up the middle schools and also make them in charge of a certain set of middle schools, which would be their feeder schools. So then that would help my middle school feeder system. But if all of that does not happen, what my ADs need to do in the building, if they would be more concentrated and take initiative and take ownership of their building, because... I don't have booster clubs. A lot of my schools don't mm -hmm. have booster clubs. They don't have the culture of spirit that most schools have that you see in suburbs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I need more of that. And I need more ownership of what they have and don't have as far as inventory, just the basics For sure. of where are you at? And then coaches, we have a very strong union. Our union contract states that our district can only hire CTU members as coaches. Whoa. I cannot hire outside of our CTU union. So if John Adams has an opening for a basketball coach, you have to offer it to any teacher within the Cleveland school district. If teachers don't accept, then any 
security guard or paraprofessional or whatever in the district. We have 8,000 employees in the district. So the union states, you can't tell me that there's not somebody out of 8,000 employees that won't take that job. So 99.9% of the time, I can't hire. I, and I don't even hire. It goes through the principal of the building. I have no hiring that I can do. And I have tried since I've been in this position to see if I could get that change. And the union says no. But this has been like three, four decades of this ruling, but that hurts us. And I have some teams, football players, teams and stuff that don't like their football coach. And the only way they'll get a new football coach is if that coach puts in a resignation and that's it. Otherwise the kids say, I'm not going to play. So to be clear, because this is fascinating to me. If nobody in the district wants the job, can you then go get an outside coach? Or you're yeah, still but it has preventing? to be posted four times before you could do that. So you are in a situation where, let's say, I'm teaching English and I don't have a coaching background, but I feel you know what I'm gonna go coach the football team. If you get a PAP permit, because the union says, because I even posed this to the union. Yeah. I said, what if someone else comes and says, I have a winning record, this and that. But they're like, no, as a teacher, you're showing that you're responsible because you've gotten the PAP permit and your teaching license says that you're an adult and this, that, and the other. No, you are to hire the CTU. So interesting. That is definitely yes. a challenge. And uh yes. God bless you trying to figure that one out. That's, that's All right, let's pivot. Let's think about the conference you just got back from. Yep. What would you say is the best thing that you were able to take away that you feel is actionable in the near term and something that you feel is important, but not necessarily as urgent that you can act on in the middle term, let's say. I've told my staff the thing that's going to carry us throughout the entire year of 2023 is name, image, and likeness. The state of Ohio, our Ohio High School Athletic Association has voted down name, image, and likeness. As far as I know, the state is not willing to go there as well. But at the conference, they also said the state can outweigh your association. Right now, they're both aligned. How I don't know if you've looked us up. Glenville won the state championship, like I said, in Division Four. Glenville is coached by Ted Ginn Sr. Ted Ginn Sr., Ted Ginn Jr. Ted Ginn Sr. has, what, 20-some NFL players under his tutelage. He's expected to win state again next year, potentially. He may have two games next year. He already talked. It looks like he's going to have two games on ESPN next year. He's already told me that right now he's in talks. He may be playing the Florida team, the IMG team in Florida. There's certain states that already have the approval to do the name, image, and likeness, which I believe some kids in Florida may have already or whatever. So our kids are about to get exposed big time. Not that they aren't already, because we got a lot of kids that funnel through again straight to Ohio State. We already had one play in the Army game the other day. But I know our community, our parents, my senior leadership, the new CEO, whoever that's going to be, the mayor, nobody's versed in it yet. My office and I 
have got to take the responsibility of educating everybody. Cardell Jones was just here the other day because after our parade, that he gave us a big parade, I had a HBCU combine for football. And we had Cardell Jones here and he does the name image and he's associated with Ohio State. So I'm, I have a meeting set up with him and I'm going to ask him to be in collaboration with me and we're going to educate the city of Cleveland on name, image, and likeness. So in conjunction with me, we are going to go out and educate the community, our parents, CEO, the mayor, and everybody, and then some. And that's going to be our whole professional development, teachers, principals, everybody. Because I already got some Ohio State. I know signing day's coming up. I just got to get ready. So I already know that's going to be it. So things like that, I've got some big ones like that. And I've been doing combines. I did HBCU combines all last year, and this is my second year doing combines. My staff and I just had a meeting today. We're going to open it up not only to HBCU combines, but to all the other schools because we're realizing that we're not getting the traction that we thought we could get with HBCU combines. I'll be honest with you. The reason I was doing HBCU combines, Ginn can get the people, the division one kids that I have, he can get them looks. Right. I was trying to be more equitable to the other kids in our district that don't have the coaches with Ginn's ability so that I could try to get them seen by somebody. Yeah. But HBCUs just aren't coming out. So now we're just going to open it up to everybody. And I didn't want to limit it to football. So we do football, boys and girls, basketball, baseball, softball, and boys and girls track. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like when you say we host combines for these colleges to come in? Can you maybe give the, give me that in pencil sketch. So people that are listening and in a similar position might be able to steal that idea. The first year, all we did was send out massive letters and did potential Zoom calls, whoever would accept our Zoom calls and introduced ourselves to them and invited them to come down to our, but we paired up with the Browns, the Guardians and the Cavs and they hosted our combines for us and they ran them for us. And our district doesn't charge our kids because we're hundred percent free and reduced. So our district never charges our kids for anything. They partnered with us. We gave them shirts. I had a parent panel on financial literacy, name, image, and likeness. We had Denzel Ward's mom on the panel. She's the she's something to do with the National Moms Organization or something of the Browns and some parents that had kid or men on the NFL. They were on there talking about what it's like, what can parents expect when the phone calls come and this, I mean, we had the whole thing and then kids listen for about an hour and then they would transition, go to the combine and we kept the parents and did some more. And then we had HBCU. What's it like to be at an HBCU say yes. Cause in Cleveland, we have this thing called say yes to education. Whereas if a kid goes to Cleveland high school for four years and they live in Cleveland, whatever their Pell Grant or whatever doesn't do, our district say yes covers the rest of their tuition. They don't have to pay. So then if they get an athletic scholarship, then they don't have to pay anything. And that's at any state university? 
any say yes university and it's outside it's in ohio as well as we have over a hundred colleges morehouse there's other schools i could send you the information yeah we'll put it in the show notes and that's fascinating and this i've never even heard of this which there's only four other states that have this yep. it's called say yes to education and we're one of the four states that have it yeah that's awesome i think people should definitely dig into that and in ways in which to help people afford college. Yes. So that's why we do it. So that way they could pick up some other money too. Yeah. No. And I think also just this idea where depending on where you are, the let's call it the recruitment piece falls on the sport coach, or if the school is more involved, like at our place, the athletic department is helping and making connections. But then at your level now it's, oh no, we're not even just going to rely on them. We're going district wide. Yes, I'm trying for equity. That's what yes. I have to do because I don't, I have one strong coach. I have yep. a few, but then yep. the bulk, I'm like, let me step up because I don't yep. have enough. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that can be applied as a trickle down to anything. It's almost like as the program lead in basketball, hopefully all of your coaches are taking accountability for the whole program. I'm sure some of them don't, but at the site level, okay, you can pick this up and figure out the best way to help the most kids by creating these umbrella type opportunities like your combine, tapping in and getting educated on things like say yes and these other opportunities that help. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, I didn't know that even existed. So I think that's really cool. And that's a great first to share. Are there any other things? And we'll wrap up with this, that you are tapping into based on location, like say yes, that may exist elsewhere that people aren't familiar with just things that you've found over the years that, oh, these are other ways that we figured out how to help students as a hundred percent free and reduced school as a school district that's hands are a little bit tied due to the teacher union. What are some other resources that may be out there that you've heard of that you can share with the uh, the greater athletic community? I think it's just taking your ideas, no matter how out of the box they are, and taking them to the pro teams and any other resource group that you have in your area. And don't think that you are tied to just what they do. Because they are willing to hear other ideas. Just who would have thought that they would have been willing to listen to my ideas about the combines? And they were all in and they had never done it before. And they're in with me again, a second year. So just stretch your ideas and just make the presentation to them and see where it goes. Because even if they say no, they may have the connection that you need for that yes yep for sure and that goes back to the network conversation that we started with which is the larger your network the more opportunity you have to create opportunities for kids which is where this whole podcast started which is why it's called context because i got 4500 people in the phone (laughs) that i can tap into where i heard this two summers ago and we'll put this on there for any kids that are listening How are you finding ways to tell people what it is you are doing in a way in which they now have the opportunity to, one, help, two, know somebody else that can help, and three, as a kid, most people aren't saying no. As an adult, 
we run into a lot more no's. So how are you taking the package that you just said, hey, I'm trying to create this combine, telling people about it so they can then connect you with people that can help. And I think culturally as a society, sometimes that is looked down on in sharing the ways in which you're trying to change the world. But if you don't share them, people can't help you. Like I said, any avenue I have to share, I'm sharing. When it comes to students, if they want to be a part in any way, such as I'm trying to do streaming or we're streaming, but I'm trying to start media clubs for kids to be able to be the voice on mm -hmm. these streams. So I'm asking them, do you want to learn how to do the streaming part? Mm -hmm. That it's your voice and not some adult. I'm looking into starting to do an athletic council. So now I'm going to start looking for their voice so that they can start leading Whereas they may not have it in their high school, but just like you said, I may have to do it from my end just mm -hmm. to get that voice so they could be heard in their high school. So I, I'm that person. I'm the creative person that will think out of the box a hundred <laughs> times over. Yep. So I can stretch. Yep. So I love that. No, I think that's a great takeaway here as we wrap up is. How do you build support systems that are outside of the normally accessible options by thinking outside the box, yep. especially if you're in a metro area by tapping into professional teams who are always looking to do stuff in community yep. and then even stretch it one more, Des, and how do you tap into the local corporations who yeah. are also always looking to give back, but maybe don't have the boots on the ground to connect with you. So how do you get in with them as well? Yeah. And technology because right. esports is out there. So we're doing esports too. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Email is the best way. It is Desiree, D-E-S-I-R-E dot -E Powell, P-O-W-E-L at Cleveland Metro Schools with an S dot org. Love it. Love it. Thanks for taking the time today. Looking forward to talking more as we continue on this journey. Thank you. I appreciate you. This podcast was also brought to you by teachhoops.com. As coaches, our inboxes will get flooded with noise on how to make your program better. Teachhoops.com will get you focused on what needs to get done. One thing you've heard from these podcasts is no matter the experience, you got to keep pushing yourself to be better. Coach Steve Collins will help you direct that noise. He is there to help you. He has the credentials as a coach, and he's never turned down an Teach Hoops member. Sign up for a plan at teachhoops.com and mention us at checkout. This site is here simply to help you be better. Take advantage and see you on the court. Remember, go to teachhoops.com. Drink Element is a healthy alternative to sugary electrolyte drinks. Each grab-and-go stick pack replaces essential electrolytes with no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, or any other junk. Element is thrilled to be releasing a new limited-time flavor this November, Element Milk Chocolate. I drink Element every day to support my workouts and being on the court and in the classroom. As a member of our community, Element has a special offer for you. Claim your free Element sample pack. You only cover the cost of shipping. Get yours today 
at drinkelement, that's L-M-N-T dot com slash contacts.